0: Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mastretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash crosspointadventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadvent, that's A D V E N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 1130 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. everyone welcome to the relevant faith podcast for another episode my name is frank i'm with troy wallace our pastor hey troy how's your day going
1: hey, my day's going okay frank thanks for asking
0: yeah you know i've um i've been noticing a lot that in oregon at least and in, in a lot of the west coast states um we seem to be kind of over the spike in infections of coronavirus and so um you know, it's it's an interesting time because I think the conversation mm-hmm. on what's happening in our world is shifting to more what are the long term ramifications of this process and how are we going to get yeah. back to a normal life? Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of interesting time now. It's like out of the frying pan into the fryer. But um, yeah, what what are you what are you hearing on the ministry side of things?
1: Yeah, you know the, the COVID nineteen virus is affecting. Uh, every every front every sector possible and you know as as somebody leading a church um and i and our church is a part of a bigger network of churches we're starting to see you know just the impacts on that like pastors and people leading churches are going to lose their work and lose their jobs and and so it's just it's very real for everybody and everybody's eager to see this situation turned around um, but I think the reality is that uh, we have to be patient at the same time to not like jump on. Hey, let's like open everything back up uh, right away and just to expose ourselves to the potential risk of a, a resurgence of COVID nineteen. So yeah,
0: yeah, man. And you know, we our prayers go out to everybody affected by this um, medically mm-hmm. and economically. You know, it's a it's a tough thing, and so um, you know, I hope mm-hmm. I, I pray for your your peace and that, that the Lord's mm. with you. Um,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, today, Troy, we're going to talk about something that's actually really exciting for me. Um, mm. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, what are we going to talk about today, Troy?
1: Yeah, we are going to talk about the all mysterious topic of conversion. conversion, Christian conversion. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what on earth the conversion word and experience is or what it means Um, that's going to be our question so so let's jump right into the question frank what is conversion you know man it's hard
0: to describe unless you do it yourself unless you unless unless you get part unless you experience it Um, so for me i just know that there was a way my life was before mm-hmm. I met Jesus, there isn't Jesus, and then I met the Lord, and then my life is different now. Yeah, Some, you know, meeting Him changed something, and you know, I, can, yeah. I, I can't just say, "Oh, He changed my thought process," because it's more than that. And I can't just say, "Oh, you know, He makes me want to be a better person," because it's 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 more than that. It's just different, mm. and trying to explain that to somebody's hard, but. Mm it's just something happened in my life. And now I just see the world in a different way.
1: Yeah. So, so for those who might be wondering, is conversion a moment? Is it a process? Is it, you know, it, yeah. What, it, like, how does it play out in one's experience?
0: Yeah. And, you know, that was my experience of, of conversion, right? Mine was like a moment and, and, you know, it wasn't like a second moment. It was a process leading up to the moment. And I know that there's a lot of people out there um, – I can't really talk to it because that wasn't my experience – but who were raised in the church and, and who mm-hmm. – they could never really say, like, oh, I remember this day or this moment in my memory I, like, mm-hmm. decided, right? They just kind of became it. And that's that's okay too. That's that's their experience. Um, mm. But, yeah, if, if you were to ask just me personally, what is conversion? It was just like I can kind of – I can – pinpoint it in my head like where i was what i was doing i was laying on the couch reading the bible actually And i remember Mm. being like jesus is legit man like Mm. like i i think i want to follow you and it was that was it you know
1: yeah that's cool well save some of that story i i have a couple of verses that kind of speak to um to the dynamic of like before conversion conversion after conversion and this is kind of like how i've seen this in a gospel uh, sequence so you know looking at jesus ministry you know especially in the book of mark you you see this a lot in the book of mark mark's gospel is so predominantly about the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven and i think when jesus brings that message of the kingdom of heaven he's almost he's almost like presenting that there's another world that humans or whoever's listening to his message, uh, another world that they're totally foreign to. So he's almost presenting like, hey, there is this other world, this kingdom of heaven, and you have no clue about it, but I want to present it to you. And you can wrestle with whether or not uh, you want to join that kingdom. You know, it's almost like like this mind-bending alternate reality that Jesus introduced Um, and, and what he said was in order to get into that kingdom, you need to repent, repent. And that's kind of a, you know, a heavy handed, you know, you've heard the fire and brimstone preachers preach on repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you know, from those old preacher videos and stuff like that. Um, but so in that, in that presentation, you know, in the Greek mindset, repentance was this idea of changing your direction or changing Your thoughts, changing your thinking, a change of mind or a change of direction was like kind of the the idea behind that Greek word. So Jesus was asking the listener to consider a a complete change in direction of their life. Um, And he, you know, was obviously introducing uh, this new teaching through himself, his words, his teaching, his thoughts, his actions. Um, And so that's kind of the beginning is like you have to come to that crossroads of like, wait, I live in this life. And there's this other life and how I'm going to respond to that, that just juxtaposition and that, that differentiation between this life I'm living and that life um, that's being offered to me.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and for like in our culture too, especially in Portland and the West coast, it's almost like uh, you're introduced to a new worldview, mm-hmm. you know, like um, before um, I was converted, Right um i thought that just my life was just whatever i saw and whatever i experienced and then here comes jesus telling us like actually what life is isn't just what you can see and smell mm-hmm. and taste it, they, there's a whole nother reality beyond the veil that that yeah. you're a part of right and yeah. it expanded my mind you know um yeah. it expanded how i see the world and you know i have a lot of friends who were really into science like they like it's just all about science and yeah. i love science man i love i love science i think you know um that it's great to learn about how our world works but my mind was more like open to seeing mm. after seeing the way Jesus was trying to tell me what reality was like compared to what just science has to offer. And, yeah. and so, you know, yeah, like when Jesus came offering that invitation, it's like an all encompassing package and it was just yeah. really like, whoa, you know, it's, it's a choice. He offers you a choice, but it's once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then the, 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 the reality that he presents and the way that he invites you know he's so personal you know because he's like pursuing and he's like you know pleading like return to me with all your heart like i almost like saying an implication like i love you i love you like why why have you allowed yourself to be like alienated from me to be estranged from me and and i think you know if you if you consider this person this jesus guy you know, pleading for somebody that you feel like I'm a stranger to Jesus. Why is he pleading and coming after me? Like, why me? You know? Um, I think that, to me that started this chain reaction of thoughts and feelings of like, why does Jesus want me? And how, how have I been so estranged from him? Like what in my life has, has separated me from him? Um, you know, and in the Christian idea, that idea of sin and it plays out, you know, like, I don't know, Jesus, had to reveal some things about me and my life that that caused me to reflect and evaluate things differently
0: yeah that's awesome man
1: but i don't want to i don't want to like leave this too much into the abstract and into too much of like oh these are the big religious trigger words for conversion (laughs) but frank uh we're gonna start with an actual conversion story. And I want to know yours because I know bits and pieces of it. And I'm sure our audience and our church members are interested to hear your conversion story. But give me a window, a picture into the Frank of – actually, let me ask you this first. How, how many years has it been since you uh, had a conversion, would you say?
0: Oh, man, probably three,
1: okay. three-ish
0: because I think it was June – 2017 when i was baptized okay Um, and i think i think i um so there was kind of a gap well we'll we'll get there but basically june uh june 2017 is when i was baptized okay so give me a
1: window of 2015 frank
0: oh dude um okay well just a little bit of background okay just a little before 2015 so so i was raised catholic i was born and raised in a catholic family um And I grew up knowing what the church taught. Right. And so I always thought I knew Jesus. I knew what the story was. I knew what the Bible said. I never read my Bible from cover to cover. I'd never studied my Bible ever. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when I, when I entered adulthood, um, I consider that like when I was out of college living on my own, I I was living in the Bible belt and, um, Mm. I, I love all of my Christian brothers and sisters, and I um, truly, truly believe that the Lord saves us by grace, grace through faith. But some of the attitudes and the behavior that I saw in some of um, this Midwestern town, state area that I lived in from professing Christians really left a sour taste in my mouth. Mm. It, was, uh-huh. it, was a, it, was, it was not good for me. And so, yeah. I moved to Portland in 2014, and I was very—I don't want to say anti-theist because I still had that Catholic background. I still knew, you know, the Trinity and, and Jesus, and that He died on a cross, you know, for me. But you know, if all of His followers act like this, then you know, whatever. <laughs> and, and you know, I like Portland lifestyle, man. You know, like I moved out here for for fun and and all you know just to live the life and um and so when i started dating my now wife um i actually remember this for anyone who actually knows us you'll find this funny i remember we were um at a restaurant and she asked me what is your worst nightmare (laughs) and i said my worst nightmare would probably be going to church (laughs) really and she (laughs) (laughs) Mm. i'm shocked she didn't just break up with me and walk out of the restaurant um the spirit was working (laughs) on her and uh she was sneaky praying on me Uh, i didn't know this at the time but it worked anyway um you Mm. have to understand like growing up in a catholic church we would show up we would get communion we would leave there was no fellowship there was no support i didn't understand what being a new creation was like which i'll get to in a second i didn't Mm. it was just not. And then on top of that, you have like the structure of the church, which now I think um, some of the the things are a little misleading in the Catholic church. I think some of the things could be worked on and and improved theologically, but, but regardless, like church was my nightmare. Mm -hmm. And um, because just the background I had. And so when I started seeing how she lived her life, Mm. right. She was empathetic. She loved people. Um, She was self-sacrificial. She loved God. She loved Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, I loved her. And so I went to some churches with her. And, Mm. you know, I'm sitting in churches. And and my motivation was I'm here for my girlfriend. I'm not here for any other reason. Um, But, you know, deep down inside, I think all of the sermons and the story and and the way people just live together – made an impact on me and it's Mm. it kind of started cracking this wall that i built up from you know certain thoughts that i had about what christians were like um and then i remember i asked my now father-in-law i asked him for his blessing to marry his daughter and he said frank i want to give you my blessing but there's one thing about shalane you don't know about and i'm like whoa is there crazy ex? Like, you know, (laughs) it goes worse from there, the thoughts that were going through my head. But uh, he said, you know, you don't know everything about my daughter. You don't understand the love she has for God. And he said, before I give you my blessing, I just want to go through what, what we teach, what the Adventist church teaches, what the Bible says about who you are and who God is. I want you to understand at the very least so that you know like shalane better and i thought that was fair i said you know what i'm Hmm. mary's daughter i'm not a believer like that's a fair shake i'll just hear what this guy has to say because i i'm i was raised catholic i'm confirmed i had my first communion in first grade i was confirmed at 13 i know everything about scripture i know all Hmm. about jesus right like okay like sure whatever um, <laughs> funny now that I'm thinking about that. Um, <laughs> so, so he pull out Ty pulls out Ty Gibson's truth link series and we start going through it, um, every Sabbath. Cause you know, at this time I was spending Friday nights, uh, eating dinner with them and we would pray and have a worship and, and, you know, I was starting to like, okay, Sabbath is pretty peaceful. I'm kind of digging the Sabbath thing. Okay. Like now we're going to spend time as a family with no electronics. I'm cool with that. Okay. And so, um, we go through Ty Gibson's truth link. And I remember before we start, my father-in-law now says, Frank, by the time you're done with this, you're going to f- see a veil like torn in front of your eye. Like you're going to, you're going to see beyond reality and you're going to see what life really is like. And I remember, sorry, father-in-law. I remember thinking, dude, whatever, like, okay, like, you know, let's just get this over with. But man, um, he gave me a Bible. I started reading the Gospels because, you know, New Testament, once you yeah. get, you know, everyone does like the, the year reading challenge for the Bible and then they get to Leviticus and they're like, this is goofy. This is weird. I'm not reading this anymore. Right. So right. I would, I read the, you know, the Bible from Genesis to Exodus and then got the uh, Leviticus and I was like, this is weird. So then I started the Gospels as we're going through this truth link thing. And I just notice I'm reading the Gospels more. I'm you know, I'm finding out who Jesus is. We're doing this this Truth Link thing, and I'm starting to my soul's starting to get worked on. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not like Jesus. And, oh, and of course, yeah. duh, no one's like Jesus. But I remember thinking Jesus is what a human's supposed to be. Mm. The way he lives his life, the way he loves others. The way he gets angry at self-righteous religious people, which I really related to, the mm-hmm. way he just tears Pharisees apart and he says they devour widows' houses and they like mm-hmm. love the best places in the synagogues for prayer. Yeah. I clung to those phrases and
1: those verses and what Jesus said about that so strong. because you came from high church, like he, like Catholic yeah. churches is like it's like hierarchical and everybody's wearing the flowing gowns and all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh. Dude, I mean, it's like the 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 priest walks in the room and you like genuflect, like, I mean, some some Catholic churches are, I think some are starting to move away from some of that. But some of them are like, really regimented. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just an interesting, interesting mm-hmm. subculture. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah.
0: And so, so yeah, so, so I just remember, at, at one point, it just kind of snapped at me. And I said, I'm not like Jesus. I should be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the type of human I want to be. Yeah. I am not that type of human. I need God to help me be like Jesus. And once I like had that thought process, um, this is going to be very weird for me because um, how can I describe this? I'm not one into like, you know, Oh, like I felt compelled by the spirit, you know, feelings can be like, deceptive sure. And, sure. um, you know, I don't put a lot of faith into that, but man, I felt baptized by the Holy spirit. Mm. I felt like, I mean, euphoric would be a good way to put it. And not like, you know, I'm not rolling on the ground or speaking in tongues or anything like that, which if you do, that's awesome. You know, the spirit moves people in ways that I wish I could have the spirit, move, them, but <laughs> I just felt the spirit strongly and that was kind of the beginning that was near probably like the beginning of 2017 so i was baptized in june but but that's when i felt the spirit and that's when i started taking it seriously and then my whole journey from basically the next two years i kind of mentioned this in another podcast massive deconstruction of my faith massive deconstruction of my life because i grew up with the catholic church's teachings And then now I met Jesus for the first time. So what parts of the Catholic Church's teachings match what I'm seeing Jesus teach? What part of the Catholic Church's teachings do I see that Scripture, like, is consistent with? And not only Scripture, but I started reading, like, other people, um, especially, like, N.T. Wright and some of these people, the Bible Project, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these like really awesome resources. And the the same thing they kept stressing over and over is context, context, context. Yeah. Imagine you're a first century Jew. Imagine you're an ancient Israelite. Context, context. Yeah. And like the walls of my life were just crumbling down like. I would have sleepless sleepless nights for days mm. wondering if the actual presence of Jesus Christ is in the Eucharist. Like mm. is it his actually actual body and blood or not? And as a wow. Catholic, like that's like the center part of worship. Like the Eucharist where the bread and wine become his body and blood in a literal physical yeah. transsubstantiative st- sense is like the core of our previous belief my of a, previous belief.
1: of your sacraments and stuff yeah
0: yeah yeah and and so i mean it was just it was just w- a wild time but um after mm. that yeah i i came through the other side and um you know i'm not going to pretend like my upbringing doesn't affect how i see certain things but i yeah. i it gave me a lot of humility and charity on another other, other <laughs> denominations yeah. and other peoples who have different things and and at the end of the day man i just i just love jesus i love god um he he, he just saved me you know he did a lot for me so yeah so yeah that's kind of that's kind of my story man
1: that's um, cool kind of wild. so when you say when you use the phrase i met jesus does that mean that you kind of got a clearer sense of his personality his character like what does that mean in that in that euphemism
0: yeah so um it's tough because the only experience I had with Christianity and the faith was from like children's stories Mm. because as a child growing up through Catholic schools which I went to Catholic school up until high school They don't ever tell you the whole story as a narrative arc from beginning to end, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They tell you little bits and pieces of the story. So like David and the lion's den, but they don't ever explain how David and the lion's den relates to Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, right? Mm. So so there was a whole dimension of Jesus that I didn't understand because I just knew Jesus makes 5,000 fishes. Cool, but like – as a child and then as an adult because i never had anybody connect those it, i i didn't know what he was doing yeah. i didn't know what his mission on earth really was i mean everybody taught that jesus dies for your sins but what does that mean jesus dies for your yeah, sins. yeah yeah like if you read your bible and you know what what the faith teaches makes sense totally mm-hmm. but when you're just have all these little fragmented stories of stuff from the Bible, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't realize, you don't realize um, it, who he is really. And so um, when I started doing it as an adult and kind of making these connections that the church would have done for me, had I stayed in church and in a ter- church that actually taught scripture, I, I would have maybe understood more. But mm. um, so when I say I met Jesus, I just, I just, feel like i his spirit came to me you know his, his spirit dwells in me mm-hmm. i understood who he was better and uh, his mission and and why he was doing the things he was doing
1: yeah well there's got to be so many layers to the story because you know coming into a new faith tradition you know there's like you know those conflicts between this old way of looking at things from like the first tradition to the second tradition and like this kind of tension of wrestling with different ideas and different theological conclusions and stuff like that, that we could get into, but I'm sure we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> we'll save that for a later one. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. So give me a, like a quick little conclusion. Like what does life today look like post conversion?
0: Oh man. Um, well, um, I feel like I have just more, more peace in life um, because I know that I have a God who loves me, uh, uh, right? Uh-huh. Um, I am loved when I succeed, when I fail, when I'm a good husband and a bad husband, when I'm a good father and a bad father, God loves me. Mm. When I sin horribly, God loves me. And when I triumph over sin and death, God loves me. Right. Mm. And, yeah. and just just having that security of knowing that God loves me and what he did for me, that 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 he rescued me, not just in word, like it's not like some other traditions of religion who just say like, oh, like the God of the world loves you. Right. Mm-hmm. God became a human and was tortured to death for hours to rescue me.
1: Mm. Yeah. right. Yeah.
0: And so. Yeah. So, so when I started seeing that in my life, I started putting everything through that lens, Yeah. right? Everything goes through that lens. And so, and so, yeah, it just makes me want to be a better person. And, you know, we're not getting into the whole like works and faith and, and grace and saved by <laughs> sure. works, man, we could do a whole podcast on that. Cause I have thoughts, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, but, but yeah, it, it, I want to grow spiritual fruit because I, I know the spirit lives in me and I want to Hmm. live up to the grace that I've received, not because I need it for salvation or need it to earn God's love, Hmm. but because he loves me already and what he did for me. And so that's just kind of the, the lens I look at life through that. Everything I do, I try to have that in mind and I fail, but God still loves me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We forget. And sometimes we get wrapped up in our own life too much and, We come back to God, and we realize there's nothing better than than to be connected to Him. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we're gonna take a break now, and when we come back from the break, um, we're gonna flip the script, and and Frank's gonna interview me. So, thanks for sticking around with us.
0: everybody we're back thank you for listening to the second half of this episode on conversion um so you know i gave my story about conversion troy and and just my my history but um what was it like for you you know i I know you actually kind of have a story too Mm. um you shared with it at church but um, and this is a good opportunity for me to ask some follow-up questions and sure. just hear it, hear it again, which is it's so fun. So, yeah. um, what, what's your story with conversion?
1: Yeah. So I'll just give a quick summary of like my early life. Like I, I was, I was raised with two Seventh-day Adventist parents. Um, they both had Seventh-day Adventist parents themselves. So, you know, on both sides, uh, they're pretty well established in the seventh Adventist Church, and so you know I just remember as a kid going to church most of the time um, for the most part kind of enjoying church and you know enjoying some people in the church um, but it was to me it was it was really just about my friends you know the the friends that I made in church and that I connected with outside of church that really drew me to to the to the faith like i think just similar to you like i knew some stories i knew about god in that generic sense and and really i've always believed in god um even when i was not not practicing uh any kind of faith whatsoever i still believe that god existed um but anyway so that was my kind of like my upbringing um some tragic things happened in my life we moved a lot and all that change kind of um it, it threw me off balance but when i was uh, really growing up from about 6 years old to my teenage years i lived in florida and um my family was involved in church and so you know come about 15 years old for me um something tragic happened where my parents came and they told uh, me and my sisters that they were getting divorced and you know that was pretty alarming for for all of us just because we knew that major changes were on the horizon um and then on top of that you know and this this was probably the more devastating thing to my faith there was some immorality happening you know within my family and it involved our church there was some infidelity on the part of um one of my parents and and it involves somebody else in the church. So I had at all at the same time every structure and system of support pretty much taken out from under my feet. You know, I lost my family's ability and I lost church community and a deep distrust of both kind of emerged from that big trauma that I experienced. Um, and so that that pretty much blew up my faith, you know, altogether. And so I was 15 and my parents were divorced now. And, you know, my parents were doing this split custody thing. And, you know, I was just so I was so angry as a kid in general, as a teenager, um, that I, I just kind of became a loner. Um, I started, you know, like skateboarding every day and like I'd be gone from the house all day long. You know, I would never I wouldn't even see my dad who I was living with at the time. But I was just I think I was uh, leaving my wounds and just trying to suppress how much. Pain that I was experiencing from those traumas. Um, so then, you know, I finished out high school and I started college, and I was going to a community college at the time. But I, I really had no motivation for school. Like, you know, like I said, all my motivation and, and the wind just got knocked out of me from from pretty much that divorce. That um, I, I had no drive. So. I just remember skipping class a lot and I was going to, you know, the recreational room on campus and that community college. And I kind of met some friends that were playing cards and, you know, I liked games. I'd always like video games and Legos and things growing up. And uh, so I started playing cards with them. And this one kid, John, I just remember him asking me, you know, if I wanted to to play Texas Hold'em and I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. I've seen that on TV. And so We started playing Texas Hold'em, and you know, within a few weeks, you know, he was trying to start little tournaments at the rec room at school for like five and ten dollars each, and so started to get into the poker thing. And then I started winning at the game, and I was so addicted to feeling like the adrenaline rush and the success of winning at poker, even though it was like really low stakes poker um, that. You know, I just got hooked into it and I was skipping class even more. And by the time I knew it, like I was starting to fail classes. And so I just ended up dropping out of college and, you know, was spending all my time working part-time jobs and playing poker on the side. And over the course of, you know, a couple of years, you know, that poker thing became more of a staple, a centerpiece in my lifestyle. I was playing a lot of private games at at, you know pretty sketchy people's houses and you know trying to make it in this underground poker world well eventually um eventually poker started exploding on the public scene and like espn was featuring you know poker on its uh on its on its channel and and it became very popular and and so that i I was kind of in poker at this really booming time and uh got totally wrapped up in that. And, and with that, you know, just got totally wrapped up with the lifestyle of like run hard and fast all the time. And so I was gambling and I was, you know, running with drug dealers who were playing in the same games as me. And I was, you know, partying quite a bit and staying out all hours of the night. Cause that's when people play poker. Um, and that was kind of my life for, for several years. Um, and so eventually, you know, I, I was playing pretty high stakes. I had continued to to climb the poker prestige ladder, I guess you could say, uh, in, in private games and stuff like that. And I was getting invited to some pretty big games and, you know, doing pretty good in general. Um, I I was best friends with this guy who's now, he almost won the the World Series of Poker recently. But um, yeah, he, he got like six for like, two million dollars like a lot of my friends are doing really well at poker nowadays but um yeah so I was kind of in this crew of people and my lifestyle was just poker and partying poker and partying and you know all of what came with that and I think probably about I would say about eight years into my poker career um I think a lot of the the emotional wounds and and the spiritual wounds that have been done to me just started to really fester and they started to manifest in, you know, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. So I kind of was like looking at my life and just miserable. Like I was doing pretty good at poker, but like inside I was just really hollow and I just felt so disconnected from any sense of greater meaning and purpose and, you know, start hitting those really uh, low points in emotionally and, um, and kind of just wondering like, what, why, like, why is this happening to me? Like I'm by a lot of standards doing pretty well. And I'm just miserable. And so, you know, right around that time, um, you know, a family member of mine, uh, his cousin, he was kind of going through some big changes in his life too. And we were talking on the phone and I I told him, I was like, well, if you want a change of scenery, you know, why don't you move out to Florida? You can move in with me and, you know, I'll, I'll help you get settled here and find a job and whatnot. So he agreed and he came out and, and I didn't know this really at the time, but he was kind of at the beginning of some kind of spiritual awakening in his own life. And he was, he had just at that period started reading the bible and, and praying and you know wanting to connect to a church again um and so when he moved in with me like that was part of his daily rhythm and so you know i started interacting with him you know after he'd have his time with god his his quiet time his his little morning wilderness experience and and i started interacting with him and just realizing man he is just a different person than me. And this this spiritual activity that he's doing, this spiritual devotion, this prayer and Bible reading and all this kind of, is doing something in his life that's giving him a sense of what you described as peace, Uh, even though he really had nothing going on. Like At the time, he was unemployed and he wasn't in school and there was nothing happening. And, and so I think I envied that. I was like, you know, I'm feeling feeling so empty and i really like that i I like what he has and i i felt like i needed to know i needed to know what that was you know for myself and so that curiosity just kind of led me to ask him lots of questions which led me to like one day deciding maybe i should pray you know Uh, maybe i should pray i know i knew about god i remembered you know hearing about god my whole life and i believe that he existed but you know, part of me really felt like if God did exist, like he must not really care, <laughs> you know, because I've experienced so many painful things. And if there is this God like, you know, why did he let me go through all that? But then a part of me at the same time was like, you know what, but he's giving my cousin, you know, so much peace and happiness and, and he's got nothing going going on good in his life right now. So you know, it was kind of a move of desperation, to be honest. But I was like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask this God if, like, if He wants me to have something to do with Him that, you know, He'll draw me in. And so I started praying a lot. And uh, and honestly, you know, starting that prayer thing actually made things a heck of a lot worse for me. Like, I think. <laughs> I think I was awakening to the reality that the, the the world and the spiritual world especially was bigger than I understood. And I started feeling afraid all the time. I was afraid all the time. It wasn't anxiousness, it was fear. Like I, I could feel the presence of evil enshrouding my life. Like I could physically feel it and emotionally, I just knew it was there. And so at that point, I started to really cry out for rescue. I was like praying, okay, God. At first I was praying for you know, show yourself to me. And now I'm praying for rescue me, rescue me, because I'm really scared, you know, of whatever this evil is in my life that I'm experiencing right now. And and God started to just do things where he started just putting peace in me. Like, I guess those desperate cries, you know, God was responding through the Holy Spirit in some way of saying, okay, I'm here, I'm here. And, and so I started to take refuge and shelter in God. And, I I still didn't really know who he was, you know, in 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 a in a fuller understanding of Jesus yet. Um, but from that point, I got introduced to um, this couple at a at a Seventh Day Adventist church, uh, Joey and Jennifer, and uh, they started really discipling and nurturing, you know, my faith and actually my cousin's faith as well uh, through like weekly small groups and and home groups and and. You know, I just really loved – I knew there was something deep and profound about the spiritual community that they uh, had and, and that they facilitated and that they invited us into. And that was, I would say, the beginning of a conversion. So it was a process for me, but that was the very beginning where I started seeing there is power in in God, and and he gives me something that I can't even explain that I need so bad. Um, he and and I started feeling a sense of purpose, started a, a sense of meaning, a, a sense of joy, and that just led me to pursue him. So I guess I got to this one point in my life where um, I just decide, you know, do I want to stay in this life, this empty, shallow life, poker playing all the time, you know, financially doing good, but emotionally and spiritually bankrupt? Do, do I want to stay here, or do do I need to make some radical change? And uh, you know, the nature of Texas Hold'em is like, you know, I got so used to going all in. So, you know, with this leap into faith, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in, you know. And and so that's basically what happened. I almost, almost instantaneously retired from poker and picked up and moved and went to a Bible college uh, across the country at, on a whim, just knowing that I wanted to pursue God. And so I got to Walla Walla University out in Washington and pretty much started and soon into my first year declared a theology major cuz I was obsessed with learning about God. I needed to know who he was and I wanted I wanted that type of content going into me as much as possible. And um and so you know that's kind of how God converted me and then he, like I would say over time I really started to learn about Jesus and who he was and a personal God and you know it started to know you know God's God's unconditional love for me and His grace and power to change my life and like over time, you know, lifestyle was changing and habits were changing and everything about me just was different. And you know, by the time like four years ago, by I was almost unrecognizable to so many people that I I knew. And so that's kind of what conversion looked like for me. And then you know, eventually it led to uh, a call to ministry and to be a pastor more specifically. And I and I accepted that and that's kind of where I'm at now. So it's been a rapid journey. That's only been like less than six years. Um, but, but wow, boy, I don't, yeah, I, I can't even explain it. It's just so just incredible. Like God calling me into this new life and new story and looking back and seeing everything that's changed. It's, it just kind of blows my mind every time I think about it.
0: That's that's a pretty intense story, especially um, going from uh, hanging with drug dealers and gangbangers and poker rooms to preaching the (laughs) gospel and, um, you know, being a Sabbath keeping Christian. That's that's pretty good. And, you know, it's it's something that like when I think about it um, from the culture looking in, they would Mm. think you're crazy. Like you had this like awesome Mm -hmm. life and you quote gave it up for god but it's so funny because when you go through it you realize that you didn't
1: give anything
0: up you
1: gained so
0: much right um i I had a question for you though so so did you start praying before you like decided to try to follow jesus or or whatever like like did you start praying first
1: yeah yeah i did so i was just praying like kind of ambiguous prayers like god help me god just god just please help me god and you know and and god jesus didn't show up to me in a dream or say okay i'm here or anything like that but i just felt i felt god coming into my heart and my mind and my spirit um you know through those prayers and i think god was just leading me one step of at a time into into knowing him. And eventually, you know, I, I got the full picture of knowing Jesus, you know, when I explored and when I started reading the Bible for myself and seeing Jesus in the text and everything starting to point to Jesus. Um I yeah, so I went from you no know, like trusting and trying to believe in in more of a an impersonal God to knowing the personal Jesus over probably the the succession of like a year, year and a half that I was telling you about that house that I went to Joey and Jennifer's house. Like the first, I I remember this very specifically. This is when I really first, first started to read the Bible, but they were going through the book of John with us. And that's where I really started to see Jesus as the central figure of the Bible as God himself. And, and that was the beginning of like, Oh my goodness. I I think I love Jesus. (laughs) yeah
0: that's cool man you know it's it's funny so so um my wife and i read devotionals together and we're reading a book right now um that's kind of about like spiritual Mm -hmm. disciplines and it's funny that prayer was something that was really instrumental in Mm -hmm. your conversion and scripture reading was instrumental in my conversion and so it's just funny because you know since it's on my mind now, it's like I hyper focus mm-hmm. on stuff like that. But um, man, I think there's just something about about giving in and giving yeah. it a shot, right? So like, you don't have to be a full blown die hard like right or die Christian to read the Bible or to pray or to like fast yeah. or to seek God, yeah. right? Um, and I think you know, I think that that's something that's important to to let people know too that that participating in the spiritual practices like that you don't have to be a Christian to try that. And in fact if you're curious, it could be a good idea yeah. to give it a shot, right? Like see what prayer Absolutely. does in life and what silence and solitude does and yes. scripture really. yeah. I mean you know, like stuff like that. I mean, God wrote his scripture away the way he did to convict yeah. you and I think that you know, at the end of the day, it's the best way to get somebody to yeah. see who they are. Because if I can see who I am because of Scripture, I think anybody can yeah.
1: see Yeah, you know, and, and now that I understand prayer a little bit better, uh, what I understand about prayer at, at the very basic level is it's first a posture. So I didn't know I was doing this at the time, but in some way, every time you pray, you're basically saying, God, I give up. I can't do this without you you know, you're, you're submitting yourself to a power greater than yourself and prayer, like bending the knee is like saying, you know, I, 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 I bow to you. I bow to you, God, I need your help. And I think that's part of it. For me, I realized that I was at the end of uh, the rope and leading my own life. Like I led my life to a place of, of emptiness and, you know, of meaninglessness in my own heart and understanding and so that prayer was like, God, I need some help. I need you to help me. And it was, it was an, an act of desperation. But God didn't fail to, to respond. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we'll we'll have to have another episode on yeah. like what prayer is and and the spiritual yeah, disciplines be cool. and stuff because um, it's funny. I may I may make some people squirm, but the way I talk to you is the way I talk to God, right? With all the like maybe not bro. I don't I don't call God bro, Jesus, but bro, bro. I mean I call Jesus brother sometimes. But but I, but I'm not like hey, God, bro. But you know I, I am who I am to God yeah. in prayer, and and you know works for me. Um But I always would love to have more guidance on prayer. Prayer is like so like ephemeral or something. Like like you can describe prayer all you want, and I still don't feel yeah. like I get it all the way i just try to co- talk to god and you know honor him as the creator but also as the one who's like yeah my brother jesus is yeah my brother right older brother yeah to guide me so uh anyway that's like a whole nother topic that we it's like
1: at, you're trying but, to explain um, what spirit is yeah, well, what spirit describes spirit you're <laughs> like what yeah i can't um, dude
0: yeah good yeah. luck
1: on that one yeah
0: um well, Troy, um, did you have any, any closing comments yeah. on conversion or, or what it is to convert? I think, I think sharing our experience is probably the best yeah. way to describe what conversion is. And, and, you know, I just want to stress too, that it doesn't have to be this big moment, right? People can, can go through their whole life and not, and not remember like, oh yeah, it was yeah. lightning struck. Like God works on people in different ways and it doesn't kind of matter the story. It doesn't have to be this yeah. awesome story. Um, you know, it, it, your conversion is unique to you, and and it, yeah. all
1: of them are, are exactly. Are, and th- uh, that would be my comment. It's more of an agreement with what you just said. That conversion is so unique, and sometimes it's flashy, but just because it's flashy doesn't mean it's more genuine. There, every type of conversion is genuine. Um, sometimes God doesn't have to move you a hundred and eighty degrees. Sometimes He just has to move you couple of inches at a time in the right direction um, and you know praise God for that so God is unique and a conversion you know in my mind is just a changing in direction just like we talked about at the beginning with repentance it's just a changing in direction and and it's it's a it's a it's a letting go of of a, of a you that lived without God and it's an embracing it a, a definition of you that God has laid out for you you know a path that God has laid out for you so yeah I mean I I think I'm inspired anytime I hear a conversion of any type from anybody because it's so awesome to see the uniqueness and distinctiveness in the ways that God leads people.
0: yeah well, everyone, um thank you for listening.
1: Uh, Troy, would you mind yeah us definitely out of thanks here? Oh God, we thank you so much for being just amazing in pursuing us Lord and like we I just admit that you know without you I'd be lost I would be lost and and thank you that you just added so much goodness and so much understanding and so much love into my life and Frank's life and we just pray that whatever listener is listening to this podcast that they would know uh, in a deep deep level that you are coming for their heart and you want to give them good things And so we pray that um, that you would just do what you're doing in the world today through coronavirus, through COVID-19, through families that are sheltering in place, through people in the workplace, that your will would be done and your work of redemption would continue uh, in a great way right now. So thank you, uh, God, for all you do. And we love you. In Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Alright everyone, Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king, but Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. God bless.